0: Brought to you by the Appleseed. It's like
1: a regular episode. Only we'll shorter. We call mm-hmm. them bites. Thanks for joining us for an Appleseed Bite, a mini episode of the show just a single story long just a few minutes long in case you've only got a few minutes and you want to fill those few minutes with some terrific storytelling and we've got some for you today from the wonderful Minnesota storyteller Kevin Kling we want to remind you that uh, we bring you a few of these appleseed bites each week in preparation for our Thursday full hour-long episode drop and this Thursday we please join us. We're doing something special. Uh, We're bringing you a little something not so much from the Appleseed, but from one of our sister programs called Constant Wonder. You know, you've heard us say on the show that we're pleased and proud to be part of the family of programs produced by BYU Radio. Constant Wonder is just one of those programs. You can hear Top of Mind with Julie Rose, or The Lisa Show with Lisa Valentine Clark, In Good Faith with Steve Perry, or, of course, Constant Wonder, a show that Uh, brings you each week stories that make you look in awe and wonder on our marvelous world. Marcus Smith, the host of that program, will be with us to share a story from Constant Wonder about a veterinarian and the good that the veterinarian is doing in the world. Join us. In the meantime, I'm pleased to be joined in the studio by one of our producers, Heather Bigley. Heather, thanks for joining me. Hello, Kevin Kling uh, from Minnesota, the wonderful storyteller from Minnesota. Tell us what we're going to hear.
2: This is a story called "The Lake," and it's not a story. <laughs> uh, it's an exercise in reverence. Yeah, in my opinion.
1: Yeah, I I think that's a really great way to describe it. You know, sometimes we we associate potent feelings, have important experience memories associated with a place. And this is essentially an essay about a place like that in Kevin's life, right? And uh, as you listen to the story, you might want to think about maybe some of those kinds of places in your life. Uh, The story, again, is called The Lake. Kevin Kling is the teller. Happy to bring it to you here on The Appleseed.
0: There are places Natural environments in this world that give each of us solace. An ocean, a mountain, a desert, a landscape that speaks somewhere deep within ourselves. The shoreline of a Minnesota lake is that place for me. My blood pressure drops, regrets of the past, and anxieties of the future seem to melt away into insignificance. I become acutely aware of the sounds, the lapping water, a bee flying past, the wind rustling in the trees, a chainsaw across the lake, the feel of the sun on my face. The name Minnesota translates from the Dakota to sky-tinted waters, and that's how it feels. It's that place between sky and earth, one reflected in the other, a place of reflection. Now how our lakes were formed is open to debate. Scientists seem to think that they were created thousands of years ago as a great sheet of ice receded north, gouging the surface and filling the holes with melting glacier. The Anishinaabe, the first nation of this country, have a flood story with their hero, Wannaboojoo. And then there are folks, mostly chambers of commerce, that maintain the lakes or the footprints created by Babe the Blue Ox, companion of the great lumberjack, Paul Bunyan. And no matter what the other 15 states claim, we really are the home of Paul Bunyan. However they were formed, our license plates say we are the land of 10,000 lakes, but in reality, we're closer to 15,000. I generally tell people, if you start walking in any direction and you're soaking wet within three miles, you're probably in Minnesota. We have more shoreline and more boats registered than any other state in the Union. And even though we're located thousands of miles from the nearest ocean, we do have Lake Superior, Gichigumi, the largest of the Great Lakes. Superior alone contains one-tenth of the world's freshwater supply, I and mean, we didn't even find its depth until 15 years after we'd walked on the moon. I grew up on a small lake. We fished for bullheads in the hot summer, swam off the end of the dock, played king of the mountain on the raft further out, and every winter the lake would freeze before the first snow, and a kid named Pat Gilligan was always the first one on the ice when the ice held pat, we could play hockey and broomball, and sometimes we'd tie the corners of bedsheets to our wrists and ankles and skate into the wind to the other side of the lake, unfurl the sheet and become human iceboats. It was exhilarating. My brother still lives on that lake, in the same house. He hardly goes on vacation, he never leaves the state. He always says, Yeah, if I was to go somewhere, it would be here. Yep. When we were older, our lakes were further from home. Dad took us north to the Boundary Waters canoe area. We'd load up the station wagon with supplies, a canoe on the roof, and park overnight in front of a bait store that had a sign that said, our minnows are guaranteed to catch fish or die trying. We'd sit in the canoe and paddle all day. And if you were thirsty, just dip your cup in the lake. And my dad would say, hey boys, I wonder how they got all these big rocks up here. And then I would wonder too, There were frogs and turtles and birds and muskrats, mink, raccoons, great blue herons, wolves howling at night. One morning, we saw a moose and her two calves in our campsite. My dad poked his head out of the tent, pointed at a calf and said, Well, boys, there's a face only a mother could love. My dad was never more at peace than on those lakes. I remember one time we were fishing and his bobber was going under and I wondered, Why don't you set the hook, dad? You know, reel the fish in. And then I noticed at the end of his fishing pole was a yellow butterfly, and Dad would rather lose that fish than disturb that butterfly. At night, we'd see the northern lights, every night a shooting star, the heavens open up, and you could feel the spirits of the past, the first people, the voyagers, the French trappers. When we were old enough to drive, my brother and I chipped in together and we got a car with a boat hitch. First, we had a sailboat until we snapped the mast on Lake Minnetonka. Then we got a speedboat, a 1965 Chris Craft. My brother still has that boat. Now it's called an antique, but back then it was a boat. But more than that, in our minds, it was a way to meet girls, the sirens of Lake Minnetonka, mermaids, Aphrodite's on the half shell. We felt the way to a woman's heart was by performing never-before-seen water skiing stunts. The mating ritual of a teenage Minnesota boy is as exotic as anything you'll see on the Discovery Channel. If love thrives in audacity, then Lake Minnetonka in July is Cupid's headquarters. I live near a lake now in Minneapolis. And those years of adventure are long behind me. Okay, every once in a while I still go ice fishing. I don't fish outside anymore, freezing like I used to. Now I'll rent an ice fishing shack or go in one with a friend. I like ice fishing. We used to call it sitting around practicing for when we got old. Now we call it sitting around. A couple of winters ago, I was on a lake in northern Minnesota, Lake Mille Lacs, and it was probably 10 degrees below zero. And I didn't have a shelter, so I I was freezing, but catching crappies, so I couldn't quit. Out of nowhere, a dozen cars pull onto the lake. They circle me and stop. Tables come out, chairs, stoves, food, a stereo. It was a family reunion. They set up a volleyball net and played croquet right there on the lake. One of their portable shacks was a sauna and they heated it up, cut a hole in the ice with a chainsaw, and all of a sudden, a heavy-set man, bright red with steam coming off his back, comes running out of the sauna, jumps in the hole in the ice, lets out a whoop, climbs out and runs back in the shack. They invited me over and I had one of the best afternoons of my life. A biology teacher once told me I was like Lake Mille Lacs, not very deep, and I went on forever. The lake is still where I bring my big questions. I'll cast them out like fishing. It's not always about catching something. When my dad passed away, I rented a houseboat, and a mist was rolling across the mirrored surface of the lake. I listened to a Twins game, remembering my dad. Sitting on the lake at sunset, it was like glass, reflecting the reds and the yellows. A loon called, and I heard it, and... I'm transported to that place that corresponds somewhere deep within myself, with my dad, my family. And in the solemnity of the moment, I'm reminded of our short time on this plane and that these lakes had names long before we knew them. I dive down through the reflection, through the layers of cold, to the unseen, the secrets, the treasures, to the solace of the depths. And then I'm back to myself, back to the surface where sky reflects into water. If the lake is seen and the wind is unseen, I ride the waves. Kevin Kling with a piece
1: called The Lake. And I'm sitting here listening to it, not only with you, but with one of our producers, Heather Bigley. Heather, when you introduced this story... What you said about it is that it's not a story. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs>
2: yes. Uh, because he spends so much time informing us about different aspects of the lake, yeah. you know, the history of it, how the native people felt about it, how it figured into his own life um, and different events in his own life. And there's not sort of this, you know, middle, you know, beginning, middle, end uh, climax right sure. what aristotle yeah. would call a story yeah. <laughs> uh so uh in my mind it took me to places that have meant that much for me sure and i grew up in maryland on the chesapeake bay and that makes it sound like i had access to the chesapeake bay but
1: um
2: <laughs> you know maryland was founded by white settlers i think in
1: 1654
2: mm, yeah. and uh long before I came along, all of the um, access to the Bay was taken by people who had the money to do that, sure. right? yeah. And so m- on the weekends, my sister and I would drive around once we had an- a license, and we would try to find a way to get to the Bay. <laughs> like, is there a way that I, this, you know, a working-class kid in a 25-year-old car... <laughs> could get to the beach um, and it was really really hard to do and so when we found those places that allowed us access they became places of reflection and they became places of um, refuge even and mm. I can remember mornings when I should have been headed to high school that I just went and stared at the water mm. uh, and thought about what was going on in my life and what was coming yeah. up
1: kevin talks about the lake being the place where he still brings his big questions right yeah. I, I as i listened to this story i thought about n- not too long ago it's been a f- few years now but not really not too long ago in the grand scheme of things i moved from one city to another and uh you know certainly there's there's getting to know your the, your new house getting to know your neighbors you know uh but but it's really been i'm not done yet Finding out all there is to find out about the place where I live, yeah. you know, there's still even in the sort of the immediacy of my n- neighborhood, uh, a, a lot of people that I don't know and a lot of places that I don't know. You know, I, I'm yeah. I'm st- I'm still trying to sort of lock in where I take my morning walk, you know. Yeah. <laughs> and, yeah. And, and 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 that's where I take my my big questions. Right. And uh, and I I wonder this story made me wonder five years from now where I what what places in the place where I live now will have taken that sort of sacred position that the lake does in Kevin's thinking you Yeah, know? Uh, it's it's interesting to think about your think about where you take your big questions Right, you know? uh, the Chesapeake Bay if you can find it. <laughs> 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 yes. And
2: that actually led to a lifelong, you know, uh, I've read lots of histories about the Chesapeake Bay and uh, lots of stories about the Chesapeake Bay and um, wanting to get closer to it somehow yeah. has ac- actually been a lifelong quest.
1: Huh. So You're far away from it.
2: I'm far away from it. And mountains have become a place for me now where yeah. I go and take my questions. Yeah. So.
1: Well, a pleasure to hear that, uh, let's call it a an, an essay filled with the stuff of story, right? Yeah. Uh, from Kevin Kling, the wonderful Minnesota storyteller. And, of course, we want to remind you to join us on Thursday for a little something unusual on the apple seed. We're going to bring you a visit from Marcus Smith, who is the host of a program called uh, Constant Wonder. And we'll bring you a Constant Wonder story that program brings to the air every week. Stories that will make you look with awe and wonder on the marvelous world in which we live. We're looking forward to bringing you that on uh, uh, our Thursday episode drop. I'm Sam Payne. Can't wait to be with you again on The Appleseed.
2: Thanks for joining us.
1: For a bite. Brought to you by The Appleseed.